All right, we'll get started. So you got some questions for me? Oh, we're just going to open up with that. Well, what else am I supposed to talk about? I've, I've literally, I, I feel like on the last couple of podcasts, I've literally talked about everything at this point. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were just going to like ease into it. No. Okay. What have I ever eased into anything in my life? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm, I guess this is more of like a newbie thing, but I want to know of like, you say cup and handle and dead cat. Like, what is that? What the fuck is that? Dead cat. Why is bounce? it all like food based? Food. Well, cats are food in some countries. And a cup and handle. That's also food. Right. So you're going to explain or you're just going to look at me funny? No, sorry. I just, uh, I thought you were going to laugh at some point, but there was no, I was waiting for the, <laughs> the laughter to come in. I'm going to be a tough cookie tonight. Yeah. Um, so cup and handle is a technical uh, analysis of, of a chart. So if you're looking at a chart, it's, it like forms like a U and then it dips down like a handle. Like, and so when you zoom out and you look at it, it looks like a teacup. It's... Um, it's a form of TA. It's a pretty high success rate. I think most cup and handles have, once they once they break out, like you have a ninety seven percent like success rate. It's it's something ridiculously high. It's it's one of those like so. There's like a small group of like technical analysis that you like really want to hammer home because they have high probabilities of like completion. And one of them is the cup and handle. If you can get it right. And with a cup and handle, the handle should be about one third to about a half length down. Like it's a pull back down uh, to to be about half the the size of the of the cup. And um, in order to figure out how far up the cup and handle is going to move, is um, is you just you subtract the top of the cup from from the bottom of the cup and that's the move or the breakout move that it will go once once the handle gets above the neckline of where it pulled back from so if the cup and handle started like it starts at $16 and it goes down to $13 and that's the bottom of the base right and then it goes back up to 16 right and then it pulls down to 14 and then at 14, it, it goes up to 16, right? How far up is it going to go from there? What you do is you take 16 minus 13, that's 3. And you go 16 plus 3, 19. So your targeted move is $19. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty simple. It's not uh, It's not crazy. And if your handle goes more than a half really if it goes more than a third below like like pulls back to more than a half or more than a third um you really want to like start thinking about like well first off that's not where your entry point should be your entry point should be at the neckline at 16 dollars um but if you're really cheeky and you think you can time it right and you're looking for whether the cup and handle is still going to complete um it there it can be invalidated by dipping more than a third or more than a half. Yeah. Okay. And um, so a dead cat bounce is a weird saying in the stock market. So normally, when you have like sell-offs or like pullbacks or corrections or you know downsides, whatever, right? So the market will have like a concentrated cell go in like one direction and eventually it will hit like a volume wall. A volume wall is typically where a lot of buyers are waiting in liquidity, right? So so there's an imbalance of sellers driving down. Finally, the number of buyers outweighs the number of sellers. 
And so what happens then is, right, so the sellers dissipate. And at the same time, also to shorts cover and shorts when they cover gets counted as a buy. So um, the system uh, reads it uh, as there's buyers there. So price action temporarily jumps off the volume line um, and and jumps up. But a way to figure out whether it's a – so a dead cap bounce means it's going to go up off the off that volume line, but it's going to come back down. And most likely it breaks through that volume line on the second approach. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily. It could form into a bear flag from there, which is three bumps on it, and then it goes lower. It could also do an in. Uh, it could also set up a uh, head and shoulders, and it could also set up an inverse head and shoulders. I mean, there's a million different technical setups that it could do, but most likely it forms like that H pattern where it goes up and then it comes back down and breaks through. Uh, if it's if it's fast enough, and one of the ways that you read whether it's a dead cat bounce is volume should be significantly less uh, following the bounce. So it hits the volume line, and the volume line should be pretty high volume, and then the bounce or like the action back up, like the buying to send price higher, should be the volume like the buyer should be a lot less, which means to suggest that there isn't really real buyers there. It's just people chasing the price action higher. So it's a it's sort of like a head fake. And um, it confuses a lot of new and younger traders because uh, it's really difficult to read. And also too, in um, more recent markets where there's a lot of been indiscriminate buying or quantitative easing by the Fed, uh, it's been a lot easier to invalidate um, sells and just transform them into V recoveries and V recoveries are actually super rare. Normally a V recovery really only occurs when the federal reserve is actually active in, in the market. So the fact that like we've seen a lot of V recoveries where it bounces off the volume line and then it just goes straight back up to where it originally sold off from is like almost completely unheard of. It's unnatural in a way. So um, and why do they call it a dead cap bounce? I guess the saying is is that uh, is that if you throw a dead cat far enough and hard enough, it will bounce somewhat. So. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know why they had a dead cat or why they were using that to as the uh, measure for it. You throw anything dead. I know it's going to bounce. You could bounce. it could be a it could be a dead donkey bounce, and you know, dead duck bounce. A dead duck bounce. Yeah. So how is that for for answering questions? That was good. I had to, I had to take a cup of water real quick. That's okay. I warned people I was just going to talk about Chipotle napkins tonight and nothing more, nothing less. I wanted to specifically talk about the texture of them because I've been thinking about this about how like the texture of they're so different. I think Chipotle napkins suck. What? Well, that's fine. I'll, I'll keep them all for myself in my car. <laughs> Where have you been? We're not on the same page here. Have you noticed all the drawers stuffed with the Chipotle napkins? I thought you just hoard them because you go to Chipotle so often. I like the texture. I didn't texture know that you actually like them. They have bumps on them. <laughs> they really hurt when you blow your nose into them. They're not meant for that. No, I know, Love. but. I'm just talking. I'm just talking about the texture, the different textures it gives you in general. One I don't texture like the color is color of them. They give brown paper bag. Isn't that like nostalgia, though? No, it's ugly. Well, imagine if Chipotle's napkins. I guess were my red. childhood was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear me? What about Chipotle? Huh? What if their napkins were red? That'd be cool. I'd be confused. Why? Because, like, doesn't that remind you of blood? No. Then you blow your nose and you're like, did I bleed? No. Are you sure? I think that you're really the only one that blows your nose with Chipotle napkins. I think people mainly just wipe the extra sour cream off their fingers. Those napkins are heavy duty. Are they? Yeah. 
because they're built to handle Chipotle. Top scientists mm-hmm. designed the Chipotle napkin. Okay. You can have your opinion about them. I think that Chipotle napkins rock. <laughs> and that's my opinion. And I dare you to change it. I can't tell if you're being serious. I'm 100% serious. I'll die on this hill. You're such a smart ass. I really can't tell if you're being serious. I I I don't know how to say it any differently. <laughs> I really love fucking Chipotle napkins. <laughs> I don't understand why no one believes me when I tell them this stuff. Is that an autistic thing? I don't think I'm autistic. Eh. You don't? I just, just like kidding. <laughs> <laughs> with you i really thought this entire time though you talk about having chipotle napkins i thought it was just like an on-running like joke with myself yeah but now i'm learning tonight you are dead serious about them so one of the things that we were talking about that we discovered about me this week is apparently i tell myself a lot of jokes and i don't tell anyone else about it yeah because we we sat down for about 20, 30 minutes because I forget what you asked me, but it was something. And then I, I told, I explained, I then said the joke, laughed. You went, what the fuck? And I went, oh, you don't know about that? And then somehow that led me into, oh, I have another joke. Here's this one. And I told you that one. And then you were like, what? And I was like, oh. And then I just started listening maybe for 20 minutes. Different jokes I tell myself about people that I know. And I guess I just don't tell anyone else about them. This happened? Mm-hmm. When? Like, uh, you remember, there's a, there's a guy that I've known on Twitter for a while, Seth Rosenthal. And whenever I see him comment on anything, I always just reply, Comrade Duck. Because in my head, a communist duck is funny. <laughs> I swear sometimes you think we have these conversations and we, we've never had them. Well, you were trying to go somewhere and I was like delaying you. You were fascinated by it. And then you had to go run and do something else. I remember the communist duck. Yeah. But I don't remember the jokes. And now you're hurting my brain. <laughs> I told you a lot of jokes. I don't. Yeah. Maybe I'm just too naive. <laughs> I don't understand them. It's okay. I'm I'm the asshole in the relationship, apparently. <laughs> I don't think my jokes are mean. Um... What's mean about a communist duck? That's just a that's just a political party. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. Your jokes are pretty PG thirteen. Uh-uh. No, we're shaking. We're both shaking our head. No, no, it's I lied. I I made a joke about railroad or what was it? Train, trains. Running. I totally trains. wrote this joke myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the school buses. Yeah, there were school buses. There was a school bus and it got hit by a train. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the school bus was U.S. Markets. Yeah. And the train was whatever the fuck's happening Friday. Jackson Hole. That one. The whole, whole, the Federal Reserve goes on this retreat every year to what's called Jackson Hole. It kicked off on Wednesday, which is that today? No, that's tomorrow, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it is, it's a long retreat, but it's like very publicly, like it's very publicly covered. The Fed gives a lot of speeches. Last year on Friday, UBS initiated a sell when the market was at 418 and it sold down to 398 in one day. Oh, wow. So, and they, they use... Powell as, as cover. I think Powell gave the speech at about at about ten thirty they initiate the sell. 
And the whole week leading up to it, it was choppy. So it was, it was really a surprise attack. One of the UBS bankers led the, led the charge, and then it was a coordinated attack lower. And I think um, it's suspicious to me that I've seen large funds selling into Jackson Hole. Because either A, they're scarred from last year and want to get fucked in the same way they got fucked last year. Or B, they all know something and they're about to they're about to fuck the market again. Mm-hmm. I vote option B. I mean, I, I would think so. I mean, like, so one of the weird things is that a very easy tell for, for markets is it's an excellent indicator is when you're at a top, you look to see if Larry Fink is selling or, or his wife is selling. I forget who specifically, but there's there's a data point you can look at and it perfectly aligns with with market tops. And it's a great time to know when to, when to go inverse. And so it's coincided with like pretty much every market sell over the last three years. And I mean, BlackRock, Larry Fink is essentially the president of the United States. I mean, the Federal Reserve does most of their coordinated actions in the open market through BlackRock, mm-hmm. um, including they, they've had conversations about a U.S. dollar tether, which would be a, a digital uh, coin for the U.S. government, and that would be dispersed through BlackRock. BlackRock would administer all of that. So BlackRock is the largest uh, assets under management firm in the world, fund in the world. So essentially they have they have all the power. They have all the power. Yeah. They dictate a lot of the power of a lot of the policy. The balls of the United States. Yeah, and, and Larry Fink is a very shady dude. Yeah. Too. He's uh I mean, obviously as you can imagine, if you're the most powerful man in the world, you are not a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know? And um most people don't realize that Larry Fink is um so there's a lot of like tin foil out there in the world and tin foil is very cheap and it's very easy to put on your head. Sometimes we call those people, you know, tin foil hatters. <laughs> so they like to make a lot of claims about the world economic mm-hmm. uh, fund with the WEF. And I mean, some of it's relatively justified. Some things that the WEF says is like completely unhinged. You know, you'll, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That's, one of their mottos. And uh, I had my fucking voice. And I, I like, didn't have a lot of meetings today where I had to speak. And I, fi- like, I thought I was going to have it back. And I can tell it's starting to fade again. So uh, buckle up for the ride. So WEF says a lot of unhinged shit. Larry Fink is one of the, one of the board members. He directs a lot of the vision for WEF. Um, WEF has been attached or linked to a lot of questionable economic policies across the world. And um, it's pretty fucked up some of the shit they're into. And, and so if you can just correlate what WEF does in, in the agenda that they spit out and what Larry Fink is about, right? Larry, we don't really know much about publicly what Larry Fink is, but you can sort of figure out what his motives are by looking at, what he's on, like the boards that he's on and what, what agendas get driven out of it. And WEF is certainly one that seems to be anti-human. I mean, you know, put it quite bluntly. What does WEF stand for? A uh, World Economic Fund or World Economic Forum. Uh, I forget what the F stands for. It's World Economic... It's, it's a huge conglomeration of, of the top economic like top economic organizations in the world and they all mm-hmm. form a board and basically they they help direct and assist policy throughout the entire world um like google no nah, google's more like a a black state company they're okay. they're more like a nationalist company of, of the cia they're more like an arm of the cia okay, i need an example uh they're like the United Nations if the United Nations was effective and uh, had really creepy policies. Okay. And really strong influence on a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So WEF 
he's pushing I don't even remember his name. You say it, Larry Fox? Larry Fink. Fink? Yeah. He sounds like a fox. So Larry Fox. <laughs> sneaky. Shady. Sneaky, yeah. Like for sure. he's swiper no swiping type. Yeah. So Fox just go along with it. Right. He is pushing for WEF. So to tie it all back together, right? So what I was saying was that I think Larry Fink is up to something suspicious with BlackRock. He Black just wants Rock. shit that benefits him. Right. And keeps him out of trouble. But also too, like, so they are, the joke always that goes around is a recession is a planned event. You know well in advance that a recession is happening before it actually happens. Right. If you can read economic data, typically you can, you know when you've entered a recession, like, there's a very strong likelihood the United States has already entered a recession as well as China has already entered a recession, probably entered a recession over a month ago, right? Um, but it's not announced until it's too late. It's not announced until it's too public, right? Like yeah. until something really fucking breaks. Or until it's gone on too the long. The word's not out on yeah. it, right? And um, it catches people off guard. All of a sudden, there's, it's sort of like that. it gets covered at the waterfall event because that's exciting. It's hard to be like, yeah, consumers are rolling over and the data's getting, you know, softened and uh, all, con- you know, like, oh, it's it's starting to slowly roll, right? They 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 really talk about it once once it's a full fucking snowball. At that point, what I'm what I'm trying to bring this back around to is that Larry Fink has suspicious motives. I don't think Larry Fink would have been selling at the top into Jackson Hole. If he didn't have an ulterior motive, mm-hmm. it's not simply that he was de-risking. It's probably that he's trying to catch the market off guard again, because either and this is where like it gets hard because, you know, you talk to people and you're like, "Am I just mind fucking myself right now?" Because there's certain levels of of gaming that funds play to, right? On some level, you want to keep it like very Occam Razor. What you see is what you get. Right? Yeah. On other levels, you have to understand that funds do play a mind game with each other. There's a constant psychological battle. So, you know, on the one hand, I could go, okay, I know BlackRock sold into Jackson Hole. They're probably going to try to catch most people off guard who are freaking out that it's a sell and then pump it back up out of Jackson Hole. That was one of my thoughts, right? Like it would make sense if, if the market sentiment shifted dramatically. The problem is, is that we're walking into Jackson Hole. We're, we're literally one day away from Jackson Hole. The market is overly greedy. The VIX is at 17 right now, which means that people are not buying insurance and insurance policies on their, on their, uh, on their, long, on their long buys. The risk exposure is currently still very high. And that means that that the market sentiment is is overly exposed, right? So the majority of funds are positioned in an exposed position, which means that if the market were to sell off, they would take substantial losses. This get this is where it gets hard, right? So mm-hmm. Nvidia, which is currently in a bubble, no one argues that, right? And I mean, you can follow one of the great philosophers of, of our time, George Soros which is when you see a bubble, you buy into it, right? So one part of me goes, well, NVIDIA is reporting earnings tomorrow. That should pump the market, right? But then you realize, okay, then there's Thursday. So Thursday can bring it back down the level. Mm-hmm. Friday, Powell speaks. You can crash it there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying crash it. I'm just saying that you can drop the market there, right? Yeah. Obviously not not a crash. So... If he's plan if he's planning what I what I think he's planning, which I have no fucking clue if he's if he's planning anything, right? I don't I don't know anything yet. It's still too. It, this is the hard part about writing publicly, you know, because internally, like when you're when you're managing like a fund, you don't have to worry about selling people twenty four seven. You know, like we're just gonna wait this first half of the week and not do shit, right? When, when I'm writing publicly and I'm trying to teach like the tribe about, you know, what are we thinking about here? 
and keep people's attention for for it right it's it's hard to explain that that look most funds after the sell and the dead cat bounce right they're gonna coast into jackson hole to see what see what happens right their their money's ready they still probably haven't pulled the trigger yet on most of their decisions even though we are seeing record outflow out of markets um market whale outflow not not just like small transactional trades but large transactional trades and uh we're seeing weird things in, in dark pools there the the dip buyer that was active on friday was active again today performing the same block trades and uh you know you have to sort of figure out based on the price action and like your your like algorithms what what is the most likely outcome for for what's occurring and for me it's it's very indecisive right now specifically what the market wants to do for me it looks very technically sound that it's a dead cat bounce but that is a very easy way to end up in a trap very early in the week when you're looking at okay we have nvidia forming a bubble on wednesday what if they explode in the same way because we've seen call buying at 500 and we've seen large call buying at 500 it's currently at 450 so it's going to move another 50 dollars like whales want it to move another 50 dollars is that really what it is or is it some jackass funds with a couple mil and uh they're thinking with their ass not thinking with their head mm-hmm. right and their their risk exposure is high or is is that really what the bet is they're they just are going to get washed and it's time for them to get washed or are they going to win again because they've won a lot the problem is is that you don't know if it's that one time where they really are going to get washed out right or they're going to get crushed or if they're given enough chance to breathe sometimes those jackass funds have enough cash on hand to really fucking force something and jack the market up the next day mm-hmm. you know and and get out relatively speaking a okay um and and that's uh that's a really shitty thing. So I can make a prediction and say, yeah, NVIDIA is not going to move. And then it doesn't move. And then you open the next day and the jackass fund is pissed off and they just pump the fucking shit out, money into the market, right? How is anyone able to predict predict that, right? They, I mean, like I can see it in my head, that level of contingency occurring, but I can't rationally explain it in a concise way without maybe like talking it through in the way that I'm doing right now, you know, mm-hmm. does that all sort of like make sense? Like there's like too you many. Can see, you can see it happening, but you don't have, like, you're not, we joke, like you're not actually a fortune teller. You can't tell if like, right. They're they're actually going to pump into it. Yeah. So it's, it's better off to just like leave it until you get, more information on it yeah is exactly. that kind of what you're getting at? like it, it's like it's like i'm i'm reading the data as it comes i don't i don't have the answer yet. i don't have the answer i have the most probable outcomes for it yeah that's why like three weeks you know when i wrote my thesis two weeks ago and i outlined over the next three weeks what will happen i can tell you what's the most probable outcomes for it right then i then once the weeks actually start occurring that's when i start making the fine tuning and that's where the my trading gets really accurate, right? Is I'm following a general plan of how I see the market moving. And then I don't know the the ifs, um, but I do know it when I see it, right? So like I, I understand the circumstances as they occur. So I can all of a sudden then see on Monday, I get enough data reading after the OPEX to go, okay, it looks like it was dip buying. It looks like this is a, a, a cat bounce the volume isn't high enough right what i do know is that is that there is a, a weird play in in covid related stocks based on market news that occurred over the weekend so instead of like focusing on the larger market i'm again going to shift back down to stock pickums and and hammer like moderna calls right and moderna calls have have worked out great it's up over 10 percent in two days which is is fantastic. I mean, yeah. the leverage on that means that you've made over four hundred percent on on your calls if you did it right, right? Um, so that that's fantastic. 
but then you have to keep like keep so you're you're constantly filtering between a higher time frame view of where is this forming on the weeklies mm-hmm. where is it forming on the dailies and then where is it forming intraday and how is it setting up intraday uh on the higher time frame versus low time frames and and you have to build like small picture building blocks in higher building blocks and and somehow like work them together to make it like make it make sense right it's constantly reassembling a puzzle and so today i i know a lot more i know that we're more likely in a bounce um and that you know there might be a little bit more green that we can squeeze out of the market tomorrow but now i'm starting to think that Nvidia's earnings are are neutral, if not negative. Are sorry, the market reaction to it is, is neutral or or negative, not not necessarily the Nvidia earnings are are negative or or neutral. Um, Can you re-say that? Sorry. So there's a difference between, and I think a lot of people get this this mixed up when when they're playing earnings, because if they're following somebody, somebody will write. Earnings will be positive. There will be a beat in earnings, but they're not writing to what the market will actually do, right? Because the market can do whatever the fuck it wants. You're you're essentially gambling on earnings, right? So what I'm saying here is, is you know, they might have forecasted your revenue to come in at five billion, right? And you come in at five point two billion. So technically, you beat market expectations on what your earnings are, Mm -hmm. right? The market reaction to it, though, could be in the market's head, they wanted it at $5.5 billion. And so really, you failed. And so funds then sell off the, the stock. Mm-hmm. Or the options are there's too many people bought too many calls. And so you need to IV crush that shit. And then next week, you move it up to $500 or whatever the fuck, right? Like, it, it's more about market makers making sure that they get, make money. Off, off the gamble. And you have to think not so much – well, you do have to think, okay, how is this company going to perform, right? Because then that kind of gives you some inkling, the first step of, of what is the market maker thinking, mm-hmm. right? But then you need to think, how can I – if I was the market maker, how can I fuck the most amount of people out of money, right? And you have to sort of be able to understand what the subversion of expectation is. As well as like look at where the whale positioning is too, because if a whole bunch of whales are are aligned to a certain spot, they're gonna push it in that direction, right? Yeah. They got cash on the sidelines, they're gonna ju- they're gonna pump the stock up. Okay. So there's a difference between what the company actually reports and how the market reacts. And there's there's a dichotomy between the two. They're somewhat related, they're interrelated, right? And it's one the how the company performs is just one piece of the puzzle. The real piece is the psychology behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's why earnings is like really fun because it's a big psychological game that's being played. And you're looking for tells, you're looking for whales that, to buy options. And if you can filter it correctly, normally you can find them pretty well like what they're they're expecting the price target to be. Mm-hmm. And um that's what makes it fun because when then people go, "Holy shit, how did you, you know, hit that price so perfectly? Why is it staying right there?" Well, it's because I saw a whale show me their cards in option flow. They told me exactly where the price was going to go and then I opened my chart so that the algorithms are writing to that spot on the chart as well and it made sense then so the whale has a thought they want to move to there right and then you just play it and you have i mean it is a bit of a gamble every single time because maybe the whale's not big enough and they get fucked right because there's bigger whales than than a whale you know right there's a black rock which is a a megalodon and Mm -hmm. it will just you know move it will just drop a fucking planet on you Mm-hmm. If it wants to. So, yeah, that's why earnings can be pretty cool. But so NVIDIA NVIDIA goes Wednesday. We don't know exactly what's going to happen there. And that's going to determine a lot of like the market sentiment. 
what I've seen in the past typically is when the market wants to sort of shift the narrative, they typically use one of the last hot tech ERs to to really shift the market the market drive. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they use Nvidia to pull the rug, uh, especially because of how much Nvidia's how popular Nvidia has become over the last year. And I could see it, but at the same time, too, I could also see the bubble just, you know, inflating more. And it's a real coin flip for me. I don't know exactly what the outcome is for it right now. Because part of the problem, too, is technically the recession isn't here yet. I think it's really going to form in October. Like the headline, the headlines are going to really form in October, mm-hmm. right? Right now, it's just kind of like a well-kept secret amongst us funds. You know, the recession's here, and it's pretty obvious that it's here. And, uh, you know, how are you reshifting your positioning to to set up for for the next leg? You know, while, while you know, 401ks have their head in the fucking guillotine, whatever. I don't know. It's unethical. But how do you? I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you how you reconcile it, other than you you try to get the word out and you know save as many people as you can. Yeah. Yeah. So in the scenario of you saying like, oh my gosh, I try so hard to follow along. Um. In the scenario where you're following the whales, and then you said, you said, who knows if the whales may get that far, like where your algorithms are, okay? Say that the whales don't, but you do? Is that possible? Like, I know where it's going to go, but the whales don't. Yeah. It That is extremely rare. Okay. Because normally they have quants that have very similar mathematical equations that i'm i'm performing there's only so many ways so like there's not there it's like very rare for you to come out on top and the whale doesn't yeah like you just have better luck just following where the whale's going i i on my i can probably count the number of times i've i've beaten a whale on my on my on one hand yeah one of those was meta 2022 when they reported in february i mean it's just it's so rare. It, it really is so rare. For them, it, because they write the rules of the market. Right. And they hold the most cash and they are the biggest buyer in a market, right? So they, they really control a lot of the price action. Mm-hmm. You you have to really fuck up hard for a lot of like small to mid-sized funds to go against you. And, and then like you still, even then you're taking a chance, you know? Um so like you've been saying, it's just better to go with the flow with them and then just take your cut. Yeah. Just take your cut, man. Because the cut that you're going to take is is an incredible payday. hmm Yeah. And it's worth it. Yeah. You know what's weird is um, I, I don't want to talk COVID conspiracy theories, but uh, it it is a little bit funny that Alex Jones freaked out. And that then all of a sudden, COVID stocks perform better than they ever have in the last over the last you know like six months. Yeah, I think it. Oh. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> when has big opinions on on COVID? I have very big opinions on COVID, and. A select few. Get to know it. Mm-hmm. That's very first lady ask of you. Have you ever thought about uh, having me run as president? I Are know you-, you don't listen to the podcast like I do, but I will say probably six podcasts of the, I don't know, this is our 12th one. I don't know how many. No, we're made. we're closing in on twenty. Oh, okay. 
I would say a high number, like a high percentage, I always say was for Prez. So, yes. <laughs> I do think about you being president often. Maybe one day. You know? Get shit together. Get yeah, shit together. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it would kill me. I, you know, part of the problem is is that I understand how the game's played. It's not, I don't, so I'm I'm an incredible patriot for the United States. Like, I just, that's how I was raised. I, I believe in the United States. I do believe in the American dream, I believe. I, we were talking about this, that you and I aren't necessarily associated to a political party, but we're very anti-tyranny. Like, we're more bull moose. We, we want to see the people done right, the democracy taken care of. Yeah. And um, bull moose was, was Teddy Roosevelt's party, for, for people confused by that. Uh, and he was very pro-American, America first. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is that the office of the presidency has changed significantly because of the amount of cost it takes. As I was saying before, really, Larry Fink is is the one calling the shots. It's it's big money and big multinational corporations have really come into power and are are really the pseudo guiders of, or of of national policy. Oftentimes, I mean, I won't say that's why they didn't like Trump, but I suspect that that is one of the main reasons why Trump was not liked by by large wealthy donors was that he couldn't be bought mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, just from a, you know, fair is fair standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that other people in a circle weren't bought because it's pretty obvious that I think a lot of them were. But you know, try, I mean, who the fuck knows what? Watch Trump was us have us. a fucking another election, and we have to mail in our ballots again. I'm telling you. Never mind. You got me started. Never mind. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll give <laughs> all your political opinions that I have to like. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, that's a little bit far, don't you think? Like, no, no, not far, no, no. Yeah, I. Yeah. There's some fishy ass shit going on. Ow. On both sides, I would say. Both side both sides are, are complicit. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. There's faults on both sides. I don't sway one way or the other. I just think it's bullshit. All of it. Right. The entire thing is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean I I'm not disagreeing at all. I just I didn't say you did. I just think that it maybe it's time for a wizard. In office, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. It's like it's almost... no discrimination. Whiz in office, <laughs> let it happen. I think you know people wonder why. Why do so many like non-charismatic people run for president? Like they're like, can't we get somebody like good to run, right? Somebody charismatic with their own brain is not controllable. You know, mm-hmm. big money can't control that. Nope. And that's a that's a major issue. Yeah, they need you to be boring as a sock of white, a, a drawer of white socks. Yeah, predictable. Yeah, just like boring, influenceable, and, and like bland, bland paper bag. Yeah, shove you with this information, spew it out. Yeah, like fake. No, yep. Yeah. That's a, it's I agree. A, it's a big issue. I don't know how we solve it necessarily other than maybe some constitutional amendments, but I mean, that's not what this podcast is about. We won't, we won't go over step-by-steps of how do you <laughs> implement an amendment in the constitution. Although, so for, there's so many new listeners. I, so I've grown up in DC. I, I grew up my whole life in DC. I'm very well acquainted with the political process and, and the nuances. I know many senators and house representatives. I know how the game's played and, you know, uh, how do you how do you move things through legislation, all that stuff? So, it's not foreign to me. I and um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I just I I hope we can fix some things in my in my lifetime, in my immortal lifetime. 
So I guess I got <laughs> we got a lot of time. <sighs> what else should we talk about? You got me fucking heated. Like I'm over here like hot now. You're fuming. You're thinking about bail in ballots still. <laughs> <laughs> Pisses me off. <laughs> I'm like, um I'm so moved on from it too. I just I know. I'm so zen about this stuff. I don't, it doesn't bother, like, it, it does bother me. It really bothers me. I, I really don't like it. But yeah, but you know that there's nothing you can do right there's now There's things it. within my control and there's things without, outside of my control. Like, educating a larger populace on, on finance and how do you get wealth back into the hands of the middle class. That's something that I'm trying to control, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, um, I don't know. It's also getting fucking late. And we're running out of fucking topics here. <laughs> I I sort of want to talk about baseball. I, but, you know, I, people are going to be mad if I don't talk about Rivian and Meta. Yeah. So Meta uh, fell after hours today. After I, I recommended that we put up. I, I mean, I didn't recommend it, but I, I said that. I was going to put on a on a on a short position against Meta in Target two seventy, and um, it fell after hours because a a new antitrust lawyer was appointed to to prosecute Meta by the FTC. So last I checked, it was down about half a point. In after hours action, and then on top of that, Rivian. Finally broke a local bottom at twenty thirty six. It closed the day at twenty oh four or twenty ten. I can't remember. Um, and so what that means then is that it, it's probably going to go down to about eighteen dollars. For Meta, it looks seriously weak. It was. It's been following uh, the four hour fifty MA in a downward trend, and it looks like it's it's bouncing off at this point, and it's about to continue lower. So we had some good continuation off of both of them. Uh, the problem is, is that China implemented some, some unexpected rate cuts, which, which made the wand flow, flow easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, that allowed for, for Hang Seng and, and other uh, Chinese stock markets to recover a bit from essentially the cliff dive that they were taking. I mean, the China markets were were the main driver for for the initial sell off. I would say, I don't think the situation is fixed. I think that it's spiraling out of control. The problem is, is that China, the Chinese news is so controlled because they live in a communist state that you really don't either. You're not getting the real news, or if you do get the real news, it's oftentimes way too late. Mm-hmm. Right? I would say that uh, the United States delisting uh, from their blacklist 27 Chinese companies is a sign that China is doing is not doing very well. I would like to know what the United States is receiving in reciprocation for removing those 27 companies because I don't think it, I don't think it's a fair deal. I think oftentimes we roll over for China too far too often and uh, it's, I think it, I think it severely weakens the United States and our national security. I mean, I, I don't think people realize how devious China is, like how how fundamentally communist they are. Yeah. And and how different their culture is, and how different they view the West. We're we are not friends with China. They are constantly circling waiting to see how they, they can undercut us. I mean, they, there was a report released this year that they've infiltrated all major infrastructure within the United States, that they that they could perform a like electronic warfare attack, on a cybersecurity attack on us and shut down major infrastructure within the United States. You said that came out earlier this year? Yeah, yeah. I hope it did, or else it only came out in the intelligence community, and that's how I heard it. So either which way, now it's out there in the public. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's out there. Yeah, I think I heard something along the lines of that. 
Um, I wanted to talk about the oil tankers that. God, what are the chances? You know what? You know, like I don't like believing in in planned events. Um, oh, I do, because I'm never mind. Don't you think though that a planned event is too chaotic? I just I, for the most part, it, it just seems too organized. At least by the government, I don't think too many. Uh, all right, anyways, I think it's weird that we saw a lot of oil puts today, and then all of a sudden, two Suez, two two tankers on the Suez Canal crash and block the canal, or I think they blocked the canal. Which, in theory, if if the oil is blocked and and supply is not running through you would think that oil would skyrocket so either they just fucked a bunch of whales out of position or the chinese economy is far worse off than it than it really is and people are expecting the recession in china to drive oil demand down world oil demand down i i think it's the latter i think that's what people are taking the guess on but man, it, that is a really weird coincidence. Because uh, you know, I mean, maybe the Saudis planned it. Maybe maybe somebody planned it and went, no, they're gonna try to tank our fucking oil. Fuck no, we're I want my fucking money. And and they ordered a tanker to to crash into another one, you know, for a kickback or something, right? I mean, it's possible. That sounds psychotic. It sounds psychotic, but you're talking about, I mean, the difference between making, you know, several hundred million dollars. I mean, it's, it's, it will shift the power balance. That's what people are fighting over is, is incredible amounts of power. Yeah. And you don't understand the lengths that they will go to. Like, like, fuck you. You're going to try to take down my oil. Fine. I'll just... I'll tell one of my my tankers to crash into into another tanker and block up the canal. Then that's what you guys. If that's how you guys are gonna fucking play it, right? You, know? you wanna play dirty? Let's play dirty. Right. Uh, that is completely fathom fathomable to me. And I think it happens very often. It's corporate sabotage, and it, you know, I mean, dirty shit like that happens all the time. You know, take down another competitor. Take, do what you got to 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 make sure. I mean, they they just uh, they just uh, arrested a J.P. Morgan executive uh, for heavy market manipulation on metals. He's sentenced two years for over a decade of market manipulation oh on gold God. and silver. You know the amount of people that probably like lost their life savings over that shit. <sighs> And he gets two years. Slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. That's ridiculous. You know? Wow. He's probably more rich than his wildest dreams. He gets, he, he probably, going to jail frees him. Because after that, then he doesn't have to hop back into the world of trading ever again. He gets to go retire to his, his multiple mansions. I, I can't tell you probably the amount of people, amount of traders that probably have lost their life savings over market manipulation i and you know what that's why i always say though flow with the whales right you can't beat the market manipulation the whales are too big so you might as well profit the same way that they're going to profit if that's the game they want to play don't hold the ethical high ground because the ethical high ground doesn't exist that's that's a rule that they institute for the masses to get everyone else to to be controlled right conform conform they yeah. want you to play by the rule book that they don't have to play by so that they can make money off you. And that's that's the game that they love to play. That's why I always joke, don't pay back your credit cards. Too big to fail, right? They'll just bail you out. Mm-hmm. Because what are they going to do? If, if all of the United States stops paying back their credit cards, it, it would just, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to let all the consumers just default? No. No. They're going to bail them out, mm-hmm. just like they bail everybody else out. Yep. The only problem is that they think that 
consumers aren't wise enough to to figure that out, but they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out that if a corporation fails, the government will step in. Well, what if mass consumers fail? Well, the government's going to have to step in. What if student loans don't get paid back? Well, the government's going to have to step back in. And, you know, I mean, like, fuck the moral hazard. If that's the game that they're allow, if the government's allowing you to play that game, why wouldn't you play the game? Well, okay, so I want to talk about the housing market, and I know you don't like to talk about that often, but, I mean, at this point, obviously, these banks won't, like, won't give you a loan for a house or for a mortgage, but they expect you to pay in an apartment or rent a home that essentially you're going to be paying more money for than what your monthly like mortgage would be. Right. That makes no fucking sense to me. It's just a way to block people out. Also too, people don't understand the resources. If you're a first time home buyer, you, you need to go to the FHA, the federal housing administration. There are, are grants. You, you only have to have, I don't even think 10% to put down on, on, on your first house and uh, the banks have to subsidize you. You know, you should take advantage of that. All you need is 10% of that house in order to like quote unquote buy it. I mean, you do need to make sure that you can afford your monthly mortgage payments, but um, there are tricks around it. You know, I, I don't, I don't agree. Like, I think that's the whole reason why they've, so greatly tarnished personal finance in schools. Either it's not taught or it's barely taught. And they certainly don't want you to understand what your resources are or or to understand what benefits there are for you because that's a great way to keep people working for you and to keep them in debt. You know? I don't want everyone kind of figuring shit out. It's like the feudal shit, you know? Like... I don't want the peasants to start being able to read because if they can start to read, then they might start to figure out that I'm a dick, you know? <laughs> it, and that's a, that's how feudalism end, ended. <laughs> <laughs> those were good times. Those were wizardly times. I missed those times. Wizardly times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the housing market's really messed up. I think it's coming to an end, though. I I do. I I really think that air the Airbnb run is over, and I I think that um, we're going to see a lot of it starting to capitulate in October. I think that they're going to be dicks about it. I mean, like, yeah, a lot of people are going to be are going to be very petty. I mean, they're going to burn houses down for insurance money. They're gonna like they're gonna do whatever the fuck they can to recoup their losses. I mean, people are gonna play insanely dirty. I I don't expect there to be any rationality. I expect everyone to go kicking and screaming and to to get unhanded. I expect them to run to the U.S. government to to demand a uh, an injunction or a, a temporary freeze on on mortgage payments. You know, like I, I expect this to be dragged out, whatever, whatever they can do. But if, if it doesn't fuck the landlords, it fucks then the banks. And then if the banks don't get their money, they explode, right? It's just like, it's like the hot potato of who can push around, who gets fucking blown up, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, can I, can I shift the blame back on a banks really quick? Yeah. Honestly, like in my personal opinion, I think banks should be the ones that have to fucking fall. Yeah. I think every time there's a recession, it should be banks that fail. If you're, if you have a mortgage, you get to keep your fucking house, man. That's like the fucking lotto, right? You, you, you hope that the economy gets fucking cleaned out. Yep. Because then the banks take it on the chin, and then another bank restarts, right? And you just. You start over again, you right? You don't have to pay your house. You don't have to pay your bills. <laughs> right. You know, whatever. Fuck it. Fuck your credit card debt. Yeah. That shit's gone. It starts over. Yep. Right? I mean, that would be, I think that would, 
that might overly favor consumers and and you know Americans and and not favor businesses enough but I think there can be a, a happy middle ground mm-hmm. that we can find where banks mostly take it on the chin I think banks should mostly have to take it on the chin for for when this shit happens yeah I mean like don't act, like some people get so up in arms about this and they don't understand the amount of of real estate banks in 2008 that claimed bankruptcy that then the next day restarted their bank and and acted and went back to the same uh uh shady business practices that they did so they got a double bailout essentially in a way and they bought back the houses for like a penny from from the US government and so they ended up even more rich than they were after the 2008, you know, crash. So, like, I, I don't want to hear any whining about how businesses aren't aren't fairly treated. Businesses have been overly fairly treated for for decades. Yep. And I think that there needs to be more consideration for consumers as well, because you're pushing them too far into a hole where where the economy is not going to flow efficiently. And I, it's not even a argument of, of, oh, I care about their lives. It's, it's a, it's going to come back to bite us in the economy and businesses. If we don't treat consumers with at least the right amount of respect that they deserve. Right. And I mean, like middle class essentially is turned into poverty. Yeah. But that's what they want. That's what they want. They want people drowning in debt. Yep. I mean, it's just, that's the game. And it's changed rapidly over 20 years, 30 years. I mean, it's just, it's not the same game that it was. And I mean, I'm not saying boohoo for U.S. consumers because they have a very, I mean, you know, I mean, you're incredibly lucky to live in the United States. But um, it's a little too, there's a little too much predation ongoing and it needs to be toned back. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Definitely. You know, where do you think we're at for the pod? You think we hit the hour and 30 mark? I hate that you ask me a question when I try to drink water. Put me on the spot. Um, I think that we're at 40 minutes. We're at one hour and two minutes. Damn. That was close. Not really. You were just waiting for me to finish drinking my water. You didn't want to fill the gap. No. I wasn't going to do you dirty like you do me. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those Rivians are cool. I don't I don't give a fuck about the about the fucking shade. Um, I think people Rivian, are just jealous they don't have Rivians. Yeah, I think the Rivians are awesome. I definitely see how the like SUVs are more popular than the trucks. The trucks look a little bit derpy, but I like all the bells and whistles. And I think the white SUV is my favorite. If we were if we were buying a car today and the charge time wasn't a consideration for the Rivian, it Rivian's your first choice. Yeah. SUV. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I want blue same. seats though. You know, there's like custom electronic or electric. <laughs> I said electronic, electric vehicle companies that will like overhaul the interior of of the vehicle. That's nice. I want a blue seat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're wasting my command. Did you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I got it. Yep. I'm good to go. What color rims do you want? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like that. Like. I know you're not. That's why I asked. I just want. I want something Black? that I don't want anyone to be able to identify me. I don't. I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to be like, "There's the fucking ways. There he goes." Oh, he has the light up fucking rims, right? Like, Ew, no. I don't want that. I don't. I, I don't want any like of that. Matte black. Okay. No. 
Is that know. too? You just want silver? I'll take my silver. Okay. Gotta live on the edge a little bit. I just want a cool car. Uh, if it goes fast and it can haul my shit, I'm happy. Oh my God. Well, then I can't get blue seats because you'll see it through the windows, and that's gonna—they're gonna be able to point it out. Yeah. There's, there's Gwen's Rivian. Yeah. You uh, think it's yours, but it's really mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I mean. Well, I think if we if we got a Rivian, I'm pretty sure you would drive it the most. Yeah. Hauling all the kids around. Yeah. And I your think... cranky self in the passenger seat. Right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. That was funny. That was funny. I, uh. I, uh, yeah, I'd be cranky. I, ow, that looked like that hurt. Okay. All right. Damn. Ooh. So, tomorrow is the earnings report? For NVIDIA after hours, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I, I don't plan to play it. I mean, maybe an IV ride into into the ending at and jump off at 358, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly interested in NVIDIA. I think that I've made so much, like, sounds like a jackass. I said, I've made so much money over the last, like, the last four months. I don't need a risk on something like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, it's, uh. It's not worth it. Like, it's not worth it. it for the biscuits, just not. The risk, the reward isn't there. Yeah what you could get out of it. I mean, the risk, the reward was there when it, when it first made its jump to 400. Did you want some banana bread? Today? Yeah, like right now. Oh, did I want some banana bread? Yep. Yeah. Have some banana bread. Okay. I think we're going to end the pod here. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Bye, guys. I have a sub stack. It's also Maryland's capital. Uh, Gwen already pieced out, so I'll just I'll I'll coast us into the finish here. Uh, I have a Substack. I write you know Monday to Thursday normally, and then sometimes I add in commentary on Thursday. Uh, you can uh, also follow me on Twitter at Merlin's Capital, and I I have this podcast. It is the Wiz Merlin Uncensored. Uh, thank you guys so much for supporting us. We love you, and I. Uh, Good night.